Look, I'm not going to stand here and tell you I have any idea what the hell happened over the weekend in Russia because that would be completely unrealistic. Uh, as someone who's been researching this topic for a good um, 12 hours, yes. uh, I have a lot of thoughts. Thread, one of 86. <laughs> yeah. Here's what's going down they, in Russia. Of course, <laughs> I, I feel like we should at least briefly touch on the coup attempt before we get into a, a much funnier story about Elon Musk's mom not letting him fight Mark Zuckerberg. So we'll attempt to summarize the past few days without even diving too far into the complexity of the situation because for us and many of you, we just saw some tweets about a paramilitary group attempting to seize control of cities while on a march towards Russia's capital and said, all right, well, let's just see how this all pans out. Yeah, uh, especially with like Twitter being as shitty as it is. It's like normally I would rely on that and, you know, following reliable sources on there and Twitter's uh, well-curated uh, trending page. But uh, searching for like Russia coup or Wagner group, which like all the top 50 results was just like people trying to sell me crypto. So just like, a mess. I'll just wait this one out. Well, we could also put it in more recent uh, terms, one that is constantly recurring on this show now. And it encapsulate, encapsulates much of the recent news cycle, which is let them fight. Yeah, I mean, regardless of what's happening, it's like... The more that Russia spends fighting itself, uh, the less it can spend um, destroying Ukraine. Yeah. And I think that's a win. So uh, a slightly brief summary yeah. of All right. uh, geopolitical conflict. So number one, there's this country called Russia. It's very big. <laughs> very big, one of the very biggest, large. One of the biggest in the world. It's yeah. way over on the east. Huge. Um, but yeah, okay. You, I'm assuming you know... The basics, but there is a paramilitary force in Russia called the Wagner Group, which I've always found a delightful name for yeah. a, uh, a, some pretty bad guys. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah, it sounds like the name of a TV law firm. The Wagner Group. We will fight for you. Yes. But no, they actually act as an unofficial extension of the Russian army. It gives Putin control of situations around the world while also providing a cover of plausible deniability in the process because yeah. um, these are mercenaries. It's not the actual Russian army. No, we not have our fault. We have no troops in Syria. What are you talking about? Those aren't uh, those guys. I mean, listen, hey, what they do problem. is up to them. Yeah, they're all over the place. They've been involved in conflicts all across the world, but they've also had their hands very full with this this war in the Ukraine. Sorry, Ukraine, because Russia is having a much harder time than they originally anticipated. Yeah. This was supposed to be a three-day weekend. Yeah. Why are we still here? Uh, so last month, it appeared as though Russia, with the direct help of Wagner forces, had taken the Ukrainian city of Bakhmut, and this win, uh, among other successful Wagner operations, led the founder of the Wagner Group, Evgeny Prigozhin, to publicly denounce the head of Russia's Ministry of Defense and basically mock him for doing what he views as a terrible job in this war, placing the blame on him for excessive troop deaths and failed momentum. Basically, this guy's like, if I was in charge, things would be going a lot differently. Yeah, and he's been putting these videos out, and it's like, is this just kayfabe? Is this just a layer of, yeah. like... Because right, with Russia, it's like, you never fucking know. Like, they got a lot of... They do have opposition, but, like, half of those opposition people are literally paid to just give the appearance of democracy <laughs> yeah. and stuff. So is this just another layer of that? It's all very confusing because yeah. uh, it's hard to trust anything that uh, comes out. But at this point, we should describe uh, the the guy in particular. Because, Evgeny. Yeah. Not only does he look exactly like you'd think an aging Russian mercenary would look like. This man is only 42 years old. Can you believe that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he also has an absurd backstory that resulted in him having the nickname Putin's Chef. 
despite leading a highly coordinated and effective global mercenary force. A really inspirational story, actually. Yeah, Some real bootstraps uh, behind this guy's rise to power. So, yeah, he went to jail back in the 80s for what appears to be petty theft. Gotta start somewhere. Gets out, decides to turn his life around amidst the fall of the Soviet Union, and starts selling hot dogs. Everyone loves a hot dog. Then evolves that business into actual restaurants before then launching a entire catering company, befriending Vladimir Putin, and then using that friendship to basically lock down countrywide food service contracts worth millions upon millions of dollars. This guy's the catering king. He has his hands in every bit of Russia's food service industry. But yeah, he went from humble hot dog salesman to Russian oligarch over the course of two decades. Through sheer willpower. Obviously, food service can get stale after a while. Yeah. So in 2014, Prigozhin reportedly decided to found a fucking mercenary group in order to aid Russian forces. So that's where all the jokes online about a hot dog salesman attempting to overthrow the Russian government came from over the weekend. Yeah, and come on, guys, that's pretty classist. <laughs> There was also a funny explanation made which stated that what was happening in Russia would be like if Guy Fieri had seized control of Tampa, Florida in the name of Flavortown and was then marching his troops from there to Washington, D.C. to take control of the U.S. government. That would have been a much more successful coup attempt. I yeah, think. it's not exactly the same, but it is close enough for the American mind to grasp. So... <laughs> this is now Flavortown. Yeah. And you know what? We welcome Guy Fieri. Like, uh, he's everywhere. Everything he touched turns to delicious gold. I'm rolling into town with a hot red Mustang and 8,000 troops. Yeah, I will join. I will join your army. Yes, sir. We're taking every diner, every drive-in, every dive. <laughs> so, yeah, that's who the leader of Wagner forces is. Uh, and now back to what went down recently. So, after taking control of Bakhmut, the Wagners there had apparently been attempting there'd been attempts from the russian ministry of defense to take more of a controlling stance with the wagners uh-oh mm. they didn't like that so prigozhin had repeatedly and publicly talked shit about the head of the ministry of defense which also looks bad for the russian military and putin's ability to lead when his guy has lost the confidence of the soldiers and the mercenaries there were reports that the russian military had attacked or attempted to attack the wagner forces which was the final straw and led to their coup attempt yeah there was the uh, i have no idea because you can't it's hard to say but he was saying that uh they'd killed a bunch of their mercenaries oh well yeah okay that would obviously piss him off so the wagners announced that they had seized control of two russian cities on their march to moscow uh, they reportedly shot down russian aircraft and had started to renounce the justification for the ukrainian war obviously all of this combined looked terrible for Vladimir Putin, who has already been losing a PR battle because of what has been seen as weakness and numerous missteps in the ongoing conflict against Ukraine. Mm -hmm. The fact that his own, though indirect, but his own mercenary force had turned against him, seized territories, and claimed to be marching towards the capital certainly wasn't helping. No. So the 24 hours following the Wagner's declaration, was a, it was a pretty chaotic scene with various unsubstantiated reports being vomited onto Twitter.com with no sense of reality because Check marks don't mean shit anymore. So everyone's just playing telephone on social media in regards to a war within a war within a country that has nukes. A fun time to be online. And people getting very excited about uh, just extreme instability in a country with nukes, uh, not really maybe fully grasping yeah. what that could possibly mean. Still a fun time to watch the world shitpost itself to death. This is how the world will end, with shitposting. 
Also, yeah, a bunch of weirdos constantly chiming in to remind people on Twitter that the Wagners are also bad, by the way. Like, yeah, no shit. Without even looking it up, I could tell you that I probably don't agree with a Russian mercenary group. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting. I'm not rooting for anyone. No, it's, <laughs> it's interesting to watch Russia fight with itself while I smoke my bubbler in the corner. <laughs> uh, regardless, this whole internal conflict ended pretty quickly, and Prigozhin called off his troops and claimed that they, they weren't actually mad at Putin, specifically. They were just pissed at that Ministry of Defense leadership guy. Uh, or it could be that Putin had, according to British intelligence sources, gathered up the families of Wagner troops and threatened to harm or kill them. That might have had a bit of a, at least mental effect on these mercenaries. Who's to say? So yeah, the story out of Moscow is that Prigozhin spoke with Alexander Lukashenko, the president of Belarus, and also a, a piece of shit in his own right. Yeah. And that the two had negotiated this ceasefire, which would result in the Wagner forces returning to the front lines of the war in Ukraine and Prigozhin heading to Belarus for, um, uh, I don't know, look, they're all trying to paint this as like a totally peaceful and cool retreat or something like, hey, no harm, no foul. Hey, but we like, all had fun this weekend, right? Uh, I don't think so. We're going to go out on a limb here and just say that we highly doubt that this ends well for the hot dog salesman, regardless of what's being uh, intentionally put out there. Yeah, um, I would be nervous if I were him, at least. Yeah, you come for the king and you miss. Not a good place the, to be. You can't just like go back to work. All right, you, you got us. Good, good. You gave it a good go, but uh, so yeah, the idea that a group of mercenaries can attempt to overthrow the Russian military, shoot down their planes and helicopters, and march towards Moscow, only to then have the whole thing come to a halt because of a because of a negotiation with the president of Belarus. Just a bit hard to swallow. Yeah. Seems a bit too tidy. Still, taken completely at face value, this still puts Putin in a much weaker position than before because all reactions to this coup from his government seemed to indicate that they were actually worried for just a second at they least. They were digging up the roads, the highways, to try to block people. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, we did see them flinch, I think, a little bit. And to be fair, a lot of their troops are a little preoccupied with Ukraine right now, so... They would have had to do something strategically to... This was... The reports yeah. were that, like, initially, uh, people on Twitter were saying, like, this guy's got 25,000 troops ready to march into Moscow. It it wasn't nothing, but it was closer to about seven or 8,000 is what the re reports came out to say. But I still, mean, it, it did appear as though Putin did flinch, at least... Coups have been accomplished with the far smaller uh, groups. Did you see so. all the videos of them? Uh, well, there was a bunch of surreal videos of like troops on the ground in cities where people are just standing around recording. Yeah, a, just a not even reacting. Riding by playing uh, the Afro Man I, I, because I got high song. Yeah, uh, just going about your day while like tanks go by. It was, it was very reminiscent of that, that coup in uh, Myanmar where that lady was just like working out on the street. I was going to say, someone by. did a green screen and put her <laughs> exercising over uh, one of the cities that they were infiltrating. Yeah. Very surreal uh, watching this play I mean, out in modern Ru times. Russians have, the Russian people have they've been through some shit. It's going to take a little bit more than a couple tanks driving down the street to really phase them yeah they got shit to do and they're gonna go and do it in one of the this is just like a translation or whatever but in one of the videos every, while everyone is basically standing around smoking cigarettes watching troops they're like this is just like call of duty <laughs> yeah that slav squat mm -hmm. they got an extra muscle in their leg that we don't have 
Yeah, but anyway, like, yeah, between uh, you know this whole incident and the war in Ukraine, which of course isn't going so good, was supposed to be supposed to be over a while ago. It was supposed to be a straight shot to Kiev, and then well, that didn't happen. And a whole like over two hundred thousand Russian troops have died. They've lost a fuck ton of equipment. It's been a real mess. So you would assume that at this point, even with all of the propaganda in place the control of information, that the public perception would probably be at a historic low, at least for the Putin era. But who the fuck knows? Yeah. It's impossible to tell. And it's like, I mean, you see journalists go there and like ask people, but it's like, you're not going to get a fucking honest answer from anyone because they no. don't want to end up on a fucking YouTube video talking shit and putting themselves potentially in danger. So yeah. it's, it's very difficult to really tell. It is just kind of fascinating to watch all of this on fucking social media it's a it's a very surreal experience yeah yeah uh, anyways that's as brief as we could make this and again no idea of the intricate details of this just trying to make some shred of sense of what happened over the past few days but with that out of the way let's talk about another conflict that has apparently been resolved this is bullshit so fucking mad because uh, this bitch, this old bitch came and ruined it someone decided to back down in the most pathetic way possible his mommy stepped in and said, Nuh-uh, my baby, my sweetheart, elongated muskrat, is not going to be allowed to fight. No, no, no. This is so lame. Yeah. Uh, this is worse than if Elon himself had backed up. Yeah, Elon's mom tweeted multiple times over the past few days um, that have followed this, this big challenge between Zuckerberg and Musk that she had... I guess without his permission, thrown in the towel for him. And that the fight is officially canceled, according to her. So here, let's just read some of her tweets. No joking. Fight with words only in armchairs, four feet apart. The funniest person wins. Lame. What? Boo. That yeah. sucks. Yeah. Shut up. Uh, she continued responding to people who claim to have involvement in setting up the fight, saying, And now the fight has been canceled. Great relief. Hmm. Actually, I canceled the fight. I haven't told them yet, but I will continue to say the fight is canceled just in case. In another tweet, she pleaded, don't encourage this match. Then in direct response to her son in what can only be interpreted as begging, she said, a verbal fight only. Three questions each. The funniest answers win. Who agrees? Oh, this is so lame. It's so, empathetic. Like clearly trying to send a message of please, Elon. Also, just so weird yeah. that she keeps going for like, oh, let's have a joke contest. The yeah, funniest one wins because, um, first of all, obviously neither of these men is funny. No. It, it actually would be an interesting competition because they're both so bereft of humor that I couldn't even tell you who would win. I feel like Z Zuckerberg might surprise me. I think that a uh, that a joke match would be more embarrassing and pathetic for both of them than an actual fist fight. I don't know. I really want to see that fist fight. I, I do too. I'm not saying to replace it. I'm saying I want to see Mark Zuckerberg beat the shit out of Elon Musk. I'm just saying it. both are embarrassing. But I would rather get my ass beat than tell a terrible joke and be like, Mark Zuckerberg is the winner of the joke contest. Yeah, it's just, this sucks. I'm yeah. So lame. Yeah, I, it really does make us, leads us to believe yeah. that Elon, uh, realizing the error of his ways here, called up his mommy and asked her to figure out a way to bail him out 
of the no-rules cage match brawl that he had signed up for. Yeah. And uh, in her brilliant uh, mind, she came up with... Let's, let's do a joke off. Uh, yeah, joke fight. Yeah. You guys who tell three jokes each, and whoever is the funniest um, wins the, the war of the CEOs. Lame! It's also just so lame that, like, the mommy of the guy who owns the website is out there defending him on his own website. She did this too, like uh, right around when the time when he bought the company and people were like shitting on him and there was like open revolt on Twitter. And like she was, she was defending her boy. Uh, like everyone's being way too mean to Elon. Stop being mean to my son, Elon Musk. Log off, lady. Like, uh, again, like no love for Mark Zuckerberg at all. But I have no clue who his parents are. Yeah. Pretty sure they were rich. Yeah. Probably. That would make sense. But I don't I don't know their names. I don't know what they look like. I've never heard or seen from them at all. Or cared. Because he doesn't need his mommy and daddy to Could you imagine his if Mark rescue? Zuckerberg, his mom was tweeting or or uh, sorry, Facebooking about uh his one of his many trials in Congress. They're yeah. being so mean and unfair to my boy my boy Marky. The funniest thing is, uh, you know, the easy way, the actual way to get out of this without losing, uh, you know, without giving up your dignity would be uh, your wife being like, no, I'm not going to let my husband, the father of my children, uh, get in this fight and put his life in danger. The problem that I'm sure you've already realized is that Elon Musk has no wife. And he has several. Clearly, ex-wives. Mark Zuckerberg's wife supports his jujitsu career. Well, yeah, she has faith in her husband. Yeah, She's that's uh, right. very supportive of his yeah. new hobby. Mm-hmm. Well, at the very least, Elon's mom seems legitimately worried for her son's safety because she is aware that he will get his ass kicked by Zuckerberg and would never be able to live that down. No, he'd probably like pass out and shit his pants. That's right, in front of the entire world. Yeah. Yep. That's right, Elon. You're a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Elon, listen to mommy. She's right to worry, and as we've said, we hate Mark Zuckerberg and can never forgive him for the damage that he's done to society, but he would absolutely destroy Elon Musk. Facts are facts. And that didn't stop Musk from inadvertently doing a bit of actual comedy this weekend as he listed off all of his very real and very cool fighting experience in response to a thread that he had no involvement this, in initially. This was some real I studied the blade shit from yes, Elon. Yes, uh, it was obviously pointed out by everyone <laughs> online, but the tweet he sent reads exactly like it was written for Kenny Powers <laughs> in Eastbound and Down. Yep. Like to say to a bunch of children in the gym that he is now the teacher of. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Musk popped up in a thread about martial arts to tout his very impressive... A thread from over a year ago that... Yeah, he had no business He was there. just searching, like, how to fight on Twitter and, mm-hmm. like, came across this thread. So he went there to tout his impressive physical resume, uh, saying the following. Although very dated now, I trained in judo... Kyokushin, full contact, and no rules street fighting. No rules street fighting. Listen, have you ever seen a picture of Elon Musk like before he came to America when he was uh, when he was a youth? Uh, there was this man was not getting in any no rules street fights, and if he was, I mean, we do know for a fact that he got pushed down a flight of stairs at one point. I mean, I, that is some serious experience. I, th- but, I, b- uh, I believe that he was involved in a no rule street fight, but I believe he was being bullied at some point, maybe. Yeah, maybe he. Maybe that's just his uh, euphemism for like being bullied all throughout his youth. 
Yeah. This man did not get into any no rules street fights. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, yeah, we we totally believe you, Elon, for sure. Yeah. In fact, I remember seeing you one day down at the no rules street fighting class. Yeah. Wow. Was, I had a group on. I went there and he checked was it out. Kicking ass. He he fucking killed a man. <laughs> That's so right. We should point out. Mark Zuckerberg has been confidently silent in all this, like the alpha that he admittedly is. Mm -hmm. Not running his mouth, just patiently waiting for the details of Musk's involvement now yeah. that he has agreed to this fight. One simple message. Send location. That's right. Uh, details that will never come. No. Especially if Elon's mommy has anything to say about it. It's, it's, I'm so mad. It, I, look. This, was the, this was the thing keeping me going. Yep. This had been waking up every Stay morning. Stay alive! Excited to live. Stay alive, Elliot. I gotta watch the fight. <laughs> I am avoiding all submarines until this fight happens. Uh, well, anyway, let's circle back to the never-ending saga of the, the submarine, the submarine yeah. which, of course, imploded as a result of hubris at some point last week, killing everyone inside instantaneously. Yeah. We've already been over the CEO being a terrible person who got people killed, including himself, because he ignored warnings, avoided certifications and inspections, mocked regulations, and bought bargain bin materials that should have never been used to construct his submersible in the first place. Yeah. One thing we mentioned in our last episode, though, was that uh, rich people were going to start coming out of the woodwork left and right to claim that they were uh, totally supposed to be on board that thing, but, uh, you know... Scheduling something conflict. happened. Yeah. They got cold feet. They maybe had a premonition. It it just worked out that they lived and by, but in, they came this close in doing so saved their lives and now have a hell of a story to tell. We yeah. we showed a lot of examples in the last episode of that exact thing happening uh, with the Titanic, the original one. Mm -hmm. um, and folks, it's happening again. Didn't take long for this to start happening, but it wasn't just faceless millionaires or billionaires seeking clout for almost dying in a submarine. Mr. Beast, the Beast Man, has made himself this generation's Seth MacFarlane almost died on 9-11 because just about a day after everyone came to terms with the fact that the sub imploded, Mr. Beast tweeted to let everyone know that he was, first of all, safe, but second, had narrowly escaped death, and that he was actually supposed to go down to the Titanic with the Ocean Gate crew in what appears to be this trip. Okay, here's his tweet. Yeah. I was invited earlier this month to ride the Titanic submarine. I said no. Kind of scary that I could have been on it. And even provided proof for his claim, a, a screenshot of a text message that reads, Also, I'm going to the Titanic in a submarine late this month. The team would be stoked to have you along. And yeah, it's a little weird that the text is blue. That would indicate that Mr. Beast sent that text. But he explained that away by saying a friend had screenshotted that text and sent it to him. And that he, I didn't think to scroll up and screenshot old texts himself, which, okay, whatever. Guess his friend didn't end up going either. Good news for Mr. Beast either way. And yet another damning indictment of the quality of the submarine and the judgment of those who ventured onto it, because even Mr. Beast wouldn't get near this thing. Can you imagine if he had, though? Can you imagine if Mr. Beast died Mr. on that Beast submarine? Mr. Beast was on the submarine... Yes. All of the events... No, I can't. They, I, it would be insane. All of the events of last week with the added detail of Mr. Beast, biggest YouTuber on the planet, maybe. Uh, I think absolutely being, by this point. Being in that submarine. It would have been madness. There would have been no reason for the entire Earth to keep on spinning. 
it would have the discourse would have been so much more toxic too. It I would have gone back to the woods. I would have yeah. been like, yeah, you know what? We would have had to end our show on the thousandth episode. I think that would have been done. I think that would have been like the end of the internet. Yeah. That would have been fucking wild. But uh, good thing Mr. Beast, in yeah. his wisdom, chose to avoid this because uh, he's just, you know, he's smart like that. That's right. That's why he's successful is because he's smarter than the rest of us. Yep. But clearly people were justified in not trusting the submarine, regardless of whether they are Mr. Beast or not. No. Uh, but yeah, before the tragedy, it looks as though OceanGate CEO Stockton Rush was on a mad dash to get as many rich and influential people on board as possible. Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, here's a recent report from Insider about Mr. Rush's over-the-top and dangerous persistence. His his uh, tendency to rush things. It's right there in the name. Uh, nominative, uh, nominative, whatever. You'll tell us the term. You've told us so many times in the past. But we always forget. We always forget it. That's right. But uh, yeah, here's Insider. Patrick Leahy, the president of Triton Submarines, told the New York Times that OceanGate Expedition CEO Stockton Rush was on a predatory <laughs> predatory mission to convince influential people to support his doomed Titan submersible. Leahy, a friend of Paul-Henri Narjolet, a passenger who died on the Titan, told the Times that Rush had a talent for convincing people about the safety of the sub. Quote, he could even convince someone who knew and understood the risks. It was really quite predatory, he said. Leahy said he warned Narjolet, who he referred to as PH, of the risks. I told him in very candid terms why he shouldn't be out there, he told the Times. He understood. I believe PH thought in some way that by being out there, he could help these guys avoid a tragedy, but instead he ended up in the middle of one, Leahy continued. Leahy called the Titan a monstrosity and said he told Narjolet before the journey that he was becoming an ambassador for the unsafe mission by becoming a passenger. Yeah. Uh, the report continues. The financier, Jay Bloom, said Rush approached him and his son with an offer for cut price tickets at 150000 instead of 250000 Buy one, get one. You all will throw in a ticket to the Flash in there while you're at it. Well, luckily you came to this uh, tickets booth. We got all the discount tickets for the yeah. submarine rides. You, luckily you didn't go to the official website. They, they <laughs> overcharged there. So you came here. Do you have a movie pass card? Because uh, you save a little bit extra with that, too. Yes, you've preloaded your Titanic submersible card. Uh, Bloom said he had tried to raise issues of safety with Rush, but the CEO had dismissed them, stating that the trip was safer than crossing the street. Mm. Rush said, while there's obviously risk, it's way safer than flying in a helicopter. Nominative determinism. Okay, that's what it is. Bam. Way safer than flying in a helicopter or even scuba diving. There hasn't been even an injury in 35 years in, an, in a non-military sub. Well, uh... Take down the sign. <laughs> yeah, as we, it has been uh, exactly, I don't know, seven, eight days. As we've pointed out in our <laughs> previous episodes, that 35-year track record was built by the hard work of highly specialized and focused industry leaders who uh, led all of their explorations with safety at the forefront of their operations. Their track record was in jeopardy because of Stockton Rush. And he literally ruined that legacy by cutting corners and ignoring warnings and advice. Uh, you know what solves this, though? That's right. It's the metaverse. Solves all of these problems. We're joking, of course. No. No sane person would even promote such an absurd idea. Virtual tourism has existed for quite a while now. And you can find high-definition scans of every great piece of art, a large amount of historical artifacts, nearly every damn street in the world, and so on and so forth. 
without listing it under some stupid metaverse banner. Is the GeoGuessr guy doing something in the metaverse? No, he's no. not. He's just GeoGuessr. But that didn't stop one MSNBC contributor from floating this idea, though. Uh, and honestly, we're just going to read from this post because it's hilarious that anyone in the tech space would think this way. The title is literally, The Titanic Submersible Shows Why the Metaverse is Necessary. <laughs> Woo! Like, even like... That's a, a hell of a headline. Even a year ago, this would have been like, what? Are you fucking serious? But like, especially now. Days. <laughs> days afterwards. Days afterwards and like... The metaverse is so fucking dead. Yeah. Anyway, it reads like an Onion article, but it is in fact a real post on a real tech news site. So here's some quotes from this masterpiece of journalism. The apparent implosion of the Titan, a vessel headed for the ocean floor, shows why we need safe, accessible ways for people to explore our world. As people consider safer ways to explore, I can't help but think this terrifying scenario is precisely why the concept of a metaverse, that is, a virtual world reachable through some kind of wearable device, will never die. I was glad to see this referenced, albeit seemingly as an afterthought, in Axios this week. James Petrick, a professor at Texas A&M who studies tourism and recreation, told Axios that the metaverse is a good alternative for thrill-seekers. It takes the death out of it, <laughs> but still gives you the excitement, he said. I mean, like, I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt and say that, yeah, like a VR experience of going down to the Titanic would be safer. Pretty cool. It's but, not the like, same. It's Yeah, come it on. It does not give you excitement. It, it doesn't come close to providing any kind of... The difference between visiting the Louvre and going through it on a headset is so vast. Yeah. It, it's crazy to think that it's even similar, but... Yeah, it, it, please unplug from the internet and touch grass because it's different than virtual grass. This is uh, it's the problem that the metaverse has had ever since the term was like coined is that everyone talks about it uh, just based off of you know the the best case scenario for what the tech will be like eventually. Yeah, which like it probably will be. I'm sure it'll really, be fine. really, really yeah. good at some point. And by like, then it'll be impossible to actually visit these places <laughs> uh, mainly because of climate change yeah so it's exciting not that it isn't already impossible to visit the t titanic i mean uh, as of a week ago all you needed was two hundred fifty thousand dollars. yeah now things are gonna be a little and who more doesn't difficult. have that much yeah anyway as i see it as long as there are people willing to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to visit the remote corners of our planet there will always be a demand expressed or not for safer cheaper and more widely accessible methods of getting there Sure, maybe that means we ought to invest in developing better submersibles. Or maybe it means we ought to invest heavily in technology that allows more people to explore these places without needing to actually be there. I also see this incident as an access issue as much as I see this as a safety issue. As in, why should such a profound experience as visiting this historic landmark be confined to the people who have the most money? Or people who have the physical ability to make this trip? <sighs> I get where he's trying to go with, like, yeah, more people being able to experience history through an immersive experience sure. is good, but it's not like those options don't already exist. Yeah, this is, it's like saying, like, oh, we wouldn't have, like, mountain climbing accidents if we just simply had, you could climb the Mount face. Everest in, you could, in your in Yeah, VR. you could climb the face of El Capitan in, like, the meta quest and it's like no the, the the dangerousness is kind of the point 
Yeah, and the experience <laughs> of of putting in the work to travel and sacrificing the money to yeah. go do it or whatever, even in a very basic sense. Like, I just went to like national parks. It's not like the most expensive thing in the world, but you have to take time out, go do it, spend enough time there to appreciate it. Also, the, yeah, the, with like national parks, it's like there's so much more than just like the visual element too. Like the sense of scale is even you in can't, the metaverse you can't get, yeah. but then like just the smell, the just the the sounds of the yeah it's just we're it's not different. we're not nowhere nowhere yeah. near I get kind a, of the point he's yeah. making but it's it's the weirdest way to make that point possible and not everything needs to be thrown under this catch-all buzzword yeah. that is being exploited by companies anyway for yeah. monetary gain specifically also like literally the Titanic has been photographed and documented for nearly forty years you can basically you can see every inch of that fucking thing. Without leaving your computer. We just talked about the incredibly high digital scan that they did. Yeah. Mapping every single part of it. It's all there. You can turn into a CSGO map like that. You could. Yeah. So yeah, this guy, he's literally saying nothing and claiming it's innovation, which is wild. Yeah. But it is safer than going down in a submarine. I mean, yeah, pretty much everything is. Yeah. (laughs) Over on the U.S. politics side of things, though, this week started out pretty much as scandalously as humanly possible because as we were writing this episode, CNN got its hands on the actual recording of Donald Trump talking with staffers and others about classified documents, referring referring to them as secret classified documents, saying that he could have declassified them, but now he can't, and appearing to physically show the documents to those in the room before then ordering someone to bring him a soda pop. And it's literally the transcript uh, that was included in the indictment, which we we did a dramatic reading of. Yeah. Uh, I assumed we would get this audio at some point, like further along the legal process, but not like this. Uh, came Christmas came early, I guess. It, it's clearly damning evidence, and is like Elliot just said, completely accurate as far as what was reported in the court filing. It will definitely lead to all of those conservative pundits finally admitting that this was in fact wrong of him to do. So deep fix. And that Trump is a criminal after just weeks of them saying that these tapes should be released if they're so damning. Well, here they are. Having said that, we are at least a little curious as to how CNN did get their hands on them. People have speculated that it might be Trump's own team themselves in order to release it, get it out there, and then have it buried under subsequent weeks or months of news to the point where people are less affected by it by the time the trial happens. It's like... Get it out there. He's done this before. Get it out there. Everyone will stop caring in a couple weeks. It's just very damning, though. It's just Yeah, in a legal sense, it really seems like a home run for the uh, prosecutors. It's just wild how casual he is about Here, hold on. Yeah, here, check this file out. This also, file. like, I assumed when we read the transcript that, like, his aides or whatever at Mar-a-Lago were, like, tense about it but no they're laughing it up they're having a great time they're like they're encouraging him almost having so much fun let's get around to cokes in here yeah. yeah so either way yeah it's however this came to be the clip is out there and here are a couple short clips from that clip the whole thing isn't very long we'll leave a link in the description below if you'd like to hear it in its entirety uh, let me see that I'll, I'll show you an example he said that I wanted to attack Iran isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look. This was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. 
Yeah. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Mm-hmm. Except it is like highly confidential yeah. <laughs> secret. This is secret information. But look, look at this. This was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can probably, right? We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out a, a yeah. See, as president, I could have declassified yeah. it. Now I can't, you know, but this is yeah, classified. Now, now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. No, they, hey, bring some, uh, bring some Cokes in, please. Oh, wait, sorry. That last clip was Trump doing that weird moaning bit that he does. Um, it's been multiple times now. Yeah. This most recent and probably the most horniest of all sounding example was from his appearance at a campaign rally in Michigan this past weekend. Yeah. What is that about? I don't know. I think he was uh, holding it in because he did do that like big Christian conference before that. Yeah. He's like, I got to come on you can't, stage. You can't moan at a Christian conference. No, it's the rules. But back to uh, the original recording, not the not the coming. Uh, just just to lay out just how damning this thing is, uh, here's journalist Garrett Graff. Speaking as a Watergate historian, there's nowhere on thousands of hours of Nixon tapes where Nixon makes any comment as clear, as clearly illegal, and as clearly self-aware as this Trump tape. Here I am, doing the crime. You had to listen to hours of Nixon tapes to get anything even approaching what Trump managed to pull off here in like 60 seconds. Yeah. So yeah, I'd like to see old Donnie boy wiggle his way out of this one. Actually, this, yeah, I don't know. Like this time, he might be he might be fucked. This, I, this is pretty bad. You know, no expectations, but seems bad. Come on. But before we let you go for the day, it has happened again. Another feature-length movie has leaked onto Twitter in its entirety, racking up over a million views before finally being pulled down hours later, and thereby costing the studio trillions of dollars worth of lost revenue in yeah, the process. Yeah, because every one of those views was someone that sat down, sat down and watched the whole thing from start to finish. That's uh, just like how all trillions of people are watching Tucker. Yeah. So Much like everyone else online, we were just about to see The Flash with dozens of our very real friends. <laughs> but then, as, as we sat in the parking lot of the movie theater, we saw that someone had posted the film on Twitter. So we all just crowded around and watched it on my phone instead, thereby robbing. Watching it the, the way it was meant to be seen. On a tiny phone screen. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that didn't happen, obviously. Yeah, the joke is that I would ever be interested in watching this fucking thing. Yeah, at all. Not just if it leaked or on a phone. Yeah. I, I've, I've no seen enough. The there was like, uh, like two or three scenes that people were posting on Twitter. I'm like, nope. No thanks. Fuck that. Um, but yeah. I don't think it had too much effect on this already abysmal box office performance, but it's still got to be a nightmare for what's left of Twitter's legal department because you would assume Warner Brothers would be pretty pissed about this. Yeah. Now here's some reporting from The Direct on this since uh, the video and account have obviously been taken down since. Just one week into the theatrical run of The Flash, the entire two hours, 24... Oh God, why is it so long? Too long. Two hours and 24 minutes movie leaked on Twitter in reasonable quality, albeit through cam footage. Although the leaked copy has now been removed from the platform, The Flash remained live on Twitter for a full eight hours before being taken down at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday, June 25th, during which time it accumulated 1.7 million views. It could be speculated that the Twitter account that posted the leak, the now suspended at FR, might have strategically chosen to drop the movie in the early hours of Sunday to ensure maximum time for the studio to take it down. 
These leaks became possible after Twitter CEO Elon Musk introduced increased video length and file size limits as a perk for Twitter Blue subscribers, now allowing monthly members to post videos as long as two hours and as large as eight gigabytes. Again, completely on a platform like Twitter, the most unnecessary yeah. video length and size possible. I've seen no use case for this so far that doesn't just involve piracy. <laughs> yeah. And the only person, like, even Tucker's doing, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, doesn't it, need it. And even that, like, he's the only one fucking doing that. Even if you were going to post, like, a three-hour podcast, on Twitter, it would make sense to break it up into parts. Yeah. Much like the other Twitter Blue feature, which is, you know what, make a lo as long a post as you want. When someone does that with text... Nobody's I reading, ain't that. reading that shit. Could you imagine sitting and watching something aside from The Flash, which is definitely losing money because of this? Could mm -hmm. you imagine sitting and watching something on Twitter? A a website and app that is so janky that if you were an hour into something and slightly moved it on your phone or the computer, it could refresh the page and you would lose your spot and have to find the tweet again. Yeah. It, it's just an absurd perk to go with Twitter Blue. But we do choose to believe that this is actually what was responsible for the massive dip yeah. in box office numbers for The Flash on its second weekend because, goddamn, this very big budget superhero film that has like seven Batmans in it, you thought one Batman would bring out the crowds? Have all of the Batmans. And it's got so many Supermen, a lot of them are dead. A lot of them are ladies. Yeah. Uh, it dropped over 70% from its opening weekend pulling in just over $15 million this past weekend, which is horrific. That is a very bad second weekend. Uh, yeah. It's... That is indie movie numbers. Well, we need what we need to do is we need to pull the Morbius and get the studio to uh That's the thing. If this wouldn't have leaked on Twitter, everyone would have gone to see it. So now that it's been pulled from Twitter, they need to re-release The Flash just two weeks after it released. Yeah. The Flash is back, baby. Uh, it's almost like David Zaslav should be fired and then marched out of Hollywood entirely for his crimes against the entertainment industry. I mean, I I think I support David da David Zaslav in this instance because um, this is such a uh, optimistic. Uh, I, I'm actually hopeful once again. People are fucking getting sick of this shit. Yeah, you can't keep milking this endless teat. Uh, people are people are worn out. Yes, they are. Um, I saw a trailer for Blue. But he's not doing it for that reason. No, it, it's not, not on purpose. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it, this whole situation makes me hopeful that the, the superhero era might be finally winding the fuck down at least. Yeah. I saw a trailer for Blue Beetle this weekend uh, seeing uh, Spider-Verse, which Spider-Verse is great. Uh, I haven't seen that. That, that franchise is the only thing in superhero movies that like actually gets me excited. I do want to see uh, it. Yeah. But yeah, the Blue Beetle movie and like, it's unfortunate because it, you know, it's the that DC's first like solo film for a minority uh, ever. I might be wrong about that, but uh, it it looks like shit. It looks like trash. It's not going to do well. I wouldn't be surprised if they pull it from release. It looks terrible. It looks like the most generic fucking superhero movie. Just all the paint by numbers fucking bullshit. And uh, yeah, I mean, if like Shazam two can't pull anything. And look, Black Adam is the most successful uh, DC movie of the past like year. I, I was uh, talking with a friend Whoa. about this yesterday. Is that I've mentioned it on here before, but I had completely, a hundred percent believed that Aquaman two had come out last December, and I remember referencing, like leading up to it, I was like, yeah, it's like a crazy. So many water movies are coming out this December. Yeah. You got 
Avatar 2, Aquaman 2. And then I, re I found out that it had not been released. Uh, it comes out this December. Oh. Which I guess makes it still part of that original DC Universe. Doesn't really bode well for this. No. But uh, I still, right now I'm questioning whether or not it's been released. Because now I'm like, well, now I've said it. Has it been released? I don't know. Don't care. Don't but, care. Uh, in the meantime, I, I really liked Asteroid City. Yeah, and, and, and a solid one hour and 40 minutes long. I need to go see that. I need to get my affairs in order because on July 21st, it's Barbie Oppenheimer Day, folks. That's and right. And you're Do you gonna... have your ticket for Oppenheimer yet? No, I, 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 I can't see either of them on opening day. It's Oh, I got it's to. It's all booked up. But, uh, uh, no, I, got, uh, I booked uh, like 10 o'clock in the morning. On like a Saturday or Sunday or something like that, like the day after it comes out. He invented new explosion technology. Good. It's like how in Interstellar he he uh, inadvertently made the most accurate visual representation of a black hole ever seen, even by the scientific community. Yeah. He like, he's like, if we're doing a movie about the atom bomb, this needs to be like as close to real as fucking possible. And, well, that's why I'm going uh, I'm first thing in the stoked. morning, going straight to the coffee shop. Getting a double shot. Yeah, get zooted. Yeah, going going into that theater wide awake because it's. I'm sure this is going to be a long movie. I haven't looked at the runtime. I don't want to like. Anytime I look at run run times now, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to go. Yeah. I still haven't seen John Wick. Too long. I love yeah, John Wick movies. I know. Same. Same. But uh, I do have my tickets booked for this bright and early in the morning, so I don't uh, regret it. And uh, I'll probably go see Barbie right afterwards. Yeah, I wonder what the pri the right order. I I'd say put Barbie second. So because so I feel like Oppenheimer is going to be kind of a downer. Uh, canonically, Barbie afterwards because I believe Barney was uh, Barney. Barbie was invented after uh, yeah. the atomic bomb. And the world that Barbie lives in is like a is a, it's a post, it's a post, post nuclear world. world. Yeah. Yeah. It actually is like a representation of post war America. I have become. Uh, I've become uh, Oppenheimer, destroyer of dolls. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, hey, so many of you gave us money. I was like joking when I was like, "Hey, what'd you get us for our uh, our birthday?" You didn't have to do that. You didn't but we have thank to. you very much. No, for it's it. it's awesome. We love you. That was yeah. that was wild. I was like, "Wait, shit, what the fuck's going on?" But, very uh, generous. Thank we, you. We should have more milestones. <laughs> We still have to hit 250,000 Hey, folks, stuff. this is our 1,001 video, so what my, did you get for us? My, my Sideshow Bob tattoo is real. I got oh, yeah. it, so you have to get us to 250,000, or it's going to be very embarrassing. Yeah. My mom's going to come on here and be like, you have to take that tattoo off. They didn't get you there. So uh, <laughs> thank you for, you didn't have to do that. Uh, on this video, you do, though, because it wasn't sponsored. So oh, you do yeah. have to uh, join and donate to this video, obviously. <laughs> But you don't have to do that. Just like the video, subscribe to the channel, and if you missed it, I don't think anyone missed it. It it got a lot of views. Yeah, watch I think our everyone who was gonna watch it uh, did. But if somehow that's not true, watch our one thousandth episode over here, and we'll see you soon for some tech news. Bye. Bye.